0: Welcome to Story Forward Podcast. Summer season, season two point five. Uh, I guess we could call it Voices of. We could go back to our old time. <laughs>
1: of voices you're... of, of uh, Story, Fort, um, Story Fort Festival, and mostly yeah, I mean, we got a few other voices in there too. But yeah, I mean it's kind of an amalgam, a mosaic of stories from. Uh,
0: and not That's to get cool. too far afield before we introduce ourselves, we are your co-hosts, he is Christian Wynn Oh yes. Uh, director and co-founder of Story Fort and director of Story Forward. I am Larry Rosen, just the guy who talks. Um, our idea this summer, if you haven't listened to episode one, is to carry on um, a interim season between seasons two and three. We're gonna talk about season three at some point during this season. Um, but we wanted to share with you some of the great performances that we heard during the most recent Story for it, which was March of 2022. Everything was recorded. We got everything ready to go. We're doling it out. We are. Yes. And
1: uh, you are Larry Rosen, and I am Christian Win. And I didn't
0: differentiate which of the I don't know. Which? Uh, maybe we,
1: I don't know if you, I. I don't feel like you did, but maybe you did. Maybe it's just me. But we do have. Another member of our Story Forward and Story Fort team telling a story today um,
0: to kick us off, Jared Bostrom. Don't Jared you? Bostrom, uh, also known as the Manimo, is quite a man about town in Boise. He, in addition to being our go-to guy for editing this here podcast, he is also a prominent member of the team at Radio Boise. Yes. And is a member of a band whose name I don't remember. What is the name of your band? <sighs>
1: Sorry, Jared. I can't remember right now. This is terrible. We can look, we'll we'll tell you later, you know. But um, we love his story, and he brought, I guess. Basically, it was at Backstage Pass, which if you've listened to you know the first episode, you know what that's kind of about, or previous episodes where we get into some audio from uh, an event at the 10th Street Station we do um, traditionally on the first night of the festival. So it's a glimpse into behind-the-scenes stories, generally from the music scene or from a, just an experience just that most people won't have in in music so yeah
0: and 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 Jared's so we're going to be bringing you more of the stories that we recorded that night but Jared's is significant in that it's it signified a shift in our content for that evening to where it became very radio Boise centric so you're going to be hearing uh, a lot from people who are important members of that team. But for this one, Jared is gonna tell a story that is basically every fanboy's dream. He had the opportunity to have his favorite band stay at his house. And he was like a high school kid when this happened, right? Yes. Yeah, like, so it was at his parents' house. <laughs> who are your friends, Jared? <laughs> they're, they're the Strokes, Mom. It's not the Strokes. <laughs> it's
1: not the Strokes, but you'll hear who it is <laughs> and how it all
0: went down, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rolling Stones. There's, uh, Mom. Mick, say hi to Mom. Let's not waste any more time on us, and let's just dive right into this. Tell us what else, though. Uh, we're going to be mixing in some more soundscapes. We are, some storyscape stuff from our man, Travis Abels,
1: who the, the curious ear collected during the fest. And then also, a really great conversation um, and presentation by Amy Pence Brown and Lizzie Duke Moe. Larry, you want to tell us what you found out about Amy Pence, or should I pop in there?
0: Amy Pence Brown is a body image champion, per her uh, story for bio. Who has gotten some viral attention for questioning the way we look at people's bodies and how people look at their own bodies and how they accept their own bodies? She is in conversation with Lizzie. Is that Duke? Lizzie yes, Lizzie is Duke Mo. Mo yep. Uh, who is only a high school senior?
1: She right? is amazing. Yeah. Um, and Amy and Lizzie were both parts of um, Story Fort for two or three events each, and we can't squeeze them all into this whole season, but. I'll just tell you, Amy writes some amazing poetry, and Lizzie is this, like a climate change activist, and mm-hmm. I crazy. mean, part of a remarkable young scholar.
0: She's going off to Brown this next year, so that's fancier than me. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fancy. Uh, this was recorded at Sherry Buckner Webb Park in Boise during Story Fort, uh, yeah. and thank God for good weather. <laughs> I know good weather,
1: and... Just a slight correction. We'll say Cherie Buckner Web Park. Cherie. We'll Cherie. let
0: the local describe the local. Place. I know.
1: It's like saying boys, Boise, or like Boise. 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 Five,
0: five, six years of going to Boise, now <laughs> don't make that mistake. No, I know. I want to be sure. California, California.
1: <laughs> uh, You're an Oregonian
0: now, right? So I am so an Oregonian and darn proud of it. So let's go to. Let's go to the tape, as George Michael would say when he hosted the Sports Machine. Tough reference for those of you under... I I forgot the guy's name was George Michael. I thought you were going to go with... That's the best part that it was George Michael.
1: That's true. The the sports machine. Look it up. It's on uh, YouTube, I'm sure. You got to hit the button and let the tapes roll. Click. Let's go.
0: Click.
2: Alright, Jared yeah. T Bostrom
0: is a writer, musician, videographer, radio host. You know what grabbed him by the collar when he was a little kid? Rock and roll and it never let go. Woo! Yes. Woo! He is currently involved in many projects, including podcasts, I can speak to that.
1: On the Story Forward podcast, which is part of what Story Forward is, is our editor. And he um, actually I wanna interrupt real quick because he this week is on a episode with Dan Delion. Yay! Of Radio Poison, also okay. talking about Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath. So tune into Story EP,
0: Story Forward podcast with Larry Rosie as a co-host. That's us. Uh, here's what he does: podcast, short stories, a documentary, and an EP. He hosts the Event Horizon Boogie on Woo-hoo! Radio Poison yes, Tuesday nights. You know him as the Manimal. <laughs> I believe it says.
1: So you gotta just like walk up here slowly with Oh, uh, he's, he's got jackets. Props.
0: Like Gallagher, he's bringing
1: props. Well, look at his jacket.
2: Uh, this <laughs> was cinematic,
1: <laughs> Yes, uh, man, yeah. <laughs> um, Okay,
2: so, um, I'm Boise's resident rock and roll cornball. Uh, A lot of these stories, if I get a little gushy or mushy, or if I start crying, it's fine. Um, That's kind of how it's supposed to be. So, uh, I mean, my rock and roll journey started all when I was nine years old. My dad took me to uh, so many concerts that I'm so grateful for. It's uh, like... Rush, I got to see Neil Peart before he passed away, I got to see ZZ Top, I got to see Dusty Hill before he passed away, um, but my first concert was uh, Ted Nugent,
3: Whoa. All right. Ted Nugent fans, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll still dig on
2: Stranglehold, alright, um, I, I remember that, that first sh- uh, show with Ted Nugent because my dad encouraged me after the opening band came off, I think it was a local band, or I don't know who it was, but he encouraged me to go talk to the local band and thank them for playing and um, say that I liked their music and stuff, and I did, and that was kind of my first experience talking to people who had been on stage. And so a lot of these Experiences that I'm going to talk about are kind of from that original moment. So thanks, Dad.
3: Uh, th- <laughs> thank Dad rock is no
2: joke. So uh, I-, I heard about the band Foxy Shazam, Any Foxy yeah. Shazam. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I was going to go see them. There you go. Uh, yeah. I was going to go see Foxy Shazam at the venue, at the old venue. Yeah. Oh. I was the, uh, the Boise Brewing building. I went to go see Foxy Shazam, and on the side of the venue, all of the members were just hanging out there. And so, as a little 16-year-old, I went up with my CDs and was like, "Will you please sign this, please?" And they all just were so wonderful to me and accommodating and listened to all my hopes and dreams about becoming a rock star. And that's important because, like, to me, being a rock star is not like selling a bunch of records or living in a fancy mansion, it's just like living authentically to yourself. And Foxy Shazam embodied that whole thing for me. And their trumpet player, Alex Knoth, uh, the, their opening band had already started playing, and Alex told me to go check out their opening band, they're called the Cadaver Dogs. Yeah! And, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was like, are they good? <laughs> and he, uh, he goes, yeah, they're really fucking good. And so I walked into the venue, and uh, I saw this band, the Cadaver Dogs, and they were everything that rock and roll was supposed to be to me at that time. They were freewheeling, they were mullet-wearing, <laughs> cut-off tank top guys, and uh, particularly Lex Vegas, their drummer had this, like... Insane, like drummer face look in his eyes, and I remember thinking to myself, like that guy looks like an asshole. Like I cannot <laughs> talk to that guy. And when they got off stage, I actually told him that. I'm like, you look like an asshole on stage. <laughs> He's like, thanks. <laughs> uh, I kind of gushed with them a little bit, uh, but the next time they came to town, I mean, they remembered me. They linked up with me on social media and. Uh, they came to town uh, several times a- a- after that concert and they became literally one of my favorite bands. I mean, if you know me at all, I n- I will never stop gushing about the Canaver um, At one point, they, they came back to Boise and they were on their way back and the venue had moved out to Caldwell, which... Um, was a business mistake
3: and
2: and, uh, on their way into town they got the news that the venue had closed down not from the venue but just from various other sources and so they hit me up and they were like hey uh, we're not gonna have a gig tonight um, but can you like put us up and I was 17 and Uh, not, I I didn't even ask my parents for anything (laughs) anything. Uh, uh, at the time they were sponsored by Jägermeister, all I had to do was flash their, yeah. Yes, I was 17. Also, I just want to point out I am the editor of the story forward podcast and there is going to be some incriminating information in this in, in these uh, following <laughs> stories Yeah, and I'm gonna let you guys know just for your ears only But if it does end up on the podcast Larry, I have the power to edit it I out it. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, I was underage drinking with the good so <laughs> And And uh, I mean I must have pounded a full fifth of Jaeger. Ooh, and yeah. Yeah, at the time just passes right through you, right? You know, you can't do that <laughs> right through that. Um, I remember like going in and my parents being like, Are the cadaver dogs here? <laughs> but, yeah, they're here. They're fine. Everything's fine. And uh, they had uh, the next morning they had pancakes with my parents. The next time they came into town their tire blew in the middle of July between Mountain Home and Boise oh. and uh, I borrowed my dad's truck and we went out there and salvaged all their gear for them, tried to make it to their gig, they didn't make it to their gig, but they did play a private show for me in my garage, which was <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. Uh, they were such sweet guys to me the next day, uh, we went to go fix their flat tire, and we went to Big O Tires, and uh, there were some coloring books on the side, and Lex Vegas, who was just the sweetest man in the world, their drummer, he. Uh, Picked up one of the coloring books. It was a Winnie the Pooh coloring book, and uh, he colored uh, a little picture for me that said, "Best friends can make it through anything together." And, I said, uh, just kind of it and I'm all gushy and like I had to resist just like spurting tears from my eyes when he did that to me. But that gave me like kind of my first taste of like being friends with fans and like. now, uh, like I'm the Cadaver Dogs age now. And to be hanging out with a 17-year-old is really saying something because I can't fucking stand any (laughs) set of today. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, I must have said something cool. Anyway, uh, Matt Franklin, their guitar player and lead singer, he went on to become a tattoo artist. And he actually ended up designing my first tattoo. I can't roll it up all the way. But it says, cut like a buffalo. It's a big old buffalo skull. Cadaver dogs. Give it uh, up for the cadaver dogs. After all my adventures with the Gadabra Dogs, on their second album, Too Much, they did include me in the special thanks wow. yeah. the in the yeah. Yeah. a very cool thing to hang my hat on at, at that age, and they call my parents Papa Manimal and Mama Manimal, that's <laughs> very cute, so yeah.
3: thank you for that. Yeah. Stop. Once upon a time. Once upon a time.
4: Once upon a time, there was a little boy and a small dog. And we
5: just started hanging out, realizing more and more that we liked each other a
4: lot. Feeling like I might lose control. I wasn't paying attention and I actually hit a cow. And now were in fucking Idaho. This wave came and, I... and it swept me away. It just like fell over.
2: And when I was looking the other way.
4: Our dog died.
2: I still feel bad about it to this day. And I really miss him. I hope wherever you are, you are full of love and know that someone out there loves you.
5: Yeah, that's our story. That's all I have to say, but maybe I'll have more to say later. Body
3: talk.
4: Thanks for coming. We're glad to be here. You can hear okay, right? Okay, good.
5: I just want to say thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, Amy is so amazing, and um, I remember watching her video of her standing in the Boise Farmer's Market, which she's going to talk about a little bit more. Um, And I got to watch it in my English class, so this is kind of full circle for me, getting to actually sit and talk with her. Um, We did a lot of prep for this, and we really got to know one another. And um, so she's just been a really amazing mentor for me, and I really appreciate her giving me the space to to like,
4: talk and interview her. Yeah, this, is, um, this was a really fun idea of Story Fort and Tree Fort um, when they asked me to present or speak at Story Fort. I'm actually presenting twice. I'm reading some poetry tomorrow um, with some other poets, and they have this great idea that maybe a young activist um, in town, we could do like a in conversation, a casual event, um, where she talks to me about um, my work, and we talk about her work, in particular activism um, and bodies. And we'll have a Q&A at the end, so we're probably going to talk for like 45 minutes, maybe, max, um, with like 15 minutes at the end uh, for questions, conversation, if anybody has any. And um, I didn't know Lizzie very well, or at all, I don't know that we've met at all before, before this, But I had read about her in the newspaper. She's also a friend of of my daughter. But in the newspaper and all over the news, when Lizzie ran for school board trustee for Boise School District as the youngest um, person to ever run, run, and I was super impressed uh, with that bold action and behind it. So I knew that she'd be the perfect person um, to talk to me about these things. Her activism is different than mine. Her interests are different than mine. Um, But we've had a lot of fun bringing those things
5: together. Yeah, and so kind of to start, we're going to talk about um, the video and uh, how Amy stood for self-love in the Boise Farmers Market. Uh, This video is really awesome. If you haven't seen it, it went super viral with like 200 million uh, views to date. And it's um, just, I kind of want to hear about why you did it and kind of what inspired you to do that action.
4: Yeah, that's the thing that most people know about my work or was their introduction to my work um, around the world really um, just a couple blocks from here six years ago um, i stripped down to a black bikini and blindfolded myself with this chalkboard sign that i put at my feet um, in the capital city public market on a really busy hot saturday in august and the chalkboard sign said I'm standing for anyone who suffered from a self-esteem issue like me. Um, If you believe all bodies are valuable, draw a heart on my body. And um, I was not expecting it to go well at all. I had done other performance artwork in Boise and similar things like that that did not go well. Um, But regardless, I was committed to doing it and seeing how it played out, and I was gonna write a blog post about it either way and uh, it actually um, blew my mind and everybody else's minds who participated and everyone else's minds who saw the video and the photos and read the blog post after the fact. Um, I stood there for what ended up an hour and right away people started drawing hearts um, and they went rogue and wrote words, um, which I could only tell because I could feel it. Uh, And they started talking to me and telling me their stories and telling me about Um, their own struggles with self-esteem, their own problems um, and concerns with their bodies, their kids, um, their partners. There were a lot of tears, both on my part and on their part. Um, Luckily, I had a photographer who was hidden deep in the crowd and had a really great camera. So they were able to capture some really um, candid photos of it and we turned it into a little iMovie. Neither of us had ever used iMovie before, but we figured it out. And um, I put together a blog post, and it ended up going really, really viral locally right away, nationally within like 48 hours, and internationally within 72. And it continues to, and it, I always love to hear that it's seen a lot, um, and used a lot in classrooms. A lot of teachers use it, um, from English classes and elementary schools to high schools, in um, classes on government classes, as like an example of social protest or um, nonviolent protest work, it's used by in art classes and women's studies classes, um, and I'm always thrilled to, to hear that.
5: Yeah, so what happened right afterwards, uh, right after you posted
4: that? So immediately I thought, oh, some people who weren't there that day are going to love this, to see this, they're going to love to see some photos and hear um, about what happened. And they did, and I just posted it on Facebook like I always did with my little mommy blog at the time, and I've been blogging for a lot of years now, um, like 14. Um, and I had a couple hundred people who read it, um, some, some local fans of my work already, and I thought they would be interested. And little did I know that they would share it, and that they would share it, and they would share it, and it was literally a grassroots phenomenon. I didn't even know what it meant to be viral. Um, or what that was or what constituted that. It happened really quickly and was shocking um, to me. But the news, the local news picked it up. I think people are desperate for good news stories as well. Um, And they have been for a long time. And um, so I was on several news channels here and then their national syndicates picked it up and lots of celebrities started tweeting about it. Um, It was really bananas. Um, And my phone was ringing off the hook with major um, news networks and TV shows like The View and um, CNN and and NBC and MSN, The Today Show, and it kept going and going and going and going. And it still goes, actually, it never really stopped. Yeah,
5: so what made you an activist? Obviously that was really awesome and amazing thing to do. So was that like your first move as an activist or had there been things prior to that?
4: I had already done a lot of work as an activist before that, so that was definitely not my first move. I did not wake up one morning and just decide to take off my clothes at the farmer's market. Um, I had done, I do a lot of art um, as activism. I do a lot of performance art in particular as um, a part of my activism. I also make art more two, two-dimensional art um, in a, as part of a movement called craftivism, which is craft and activism together a lot of needlepoint and and sort of subversive work that way and some printmaking um, and my performance art as well as part of my activism. But I have um, identified as an activist for a long time, uh, for beyond 13 years, but it was really 13 years ago um, when I officially became a body image activist. And I um, had been an activist, much like I had been a feminist my entire life. Whether or not I knew what those words meant or I like, actively identified with them, I certainly was, um, one. And I actively identified as a feminist long before I actively identified as an activist. But I often say that motherhood made me an activist. It really, really did. Um, I became a mother 18 years ago and have been an activist sort of ever since. I became a body image activist, more specifically about 13 years ago, after my second daughter was born. Um, I had been working towards um, my own body acceptance and my own um, understanding of what it means to live in a fat um, female body for me. And googled the words, I talk about this often, why am I fat and happy? Um, Because you turn to Google, right? Like all good researchers do, when you need to know something, when you know no one else, like I knew no one else who was an activist who felt that way in my whole life. I I knew no one in Boise, I knew no one on the internet who was also fat and happy. Um, And luckily, after scrolling through pages and pages of ads for the diet industry complex, because Google picks up keywords, right? So it picked up fat and changed happy to unhappy. So I got lots of diet ads, but I kept scrolling, and I finally found two blogs that forever changed my life um, with two other fat activists. And um, they led me to books and Tumblr feeds and and, um, writings. And I read and read and read and read. And um, I read and educated myself for a lot of years before I sort of came out, um, I guess, as an activist.
5: Yeah, so would you say having that education and working on um, you know, becoming more educated was really essential to becoming an activist, or do you think it's okay if people are able to just start right off the bat and learn as they go?
4: I think um, both of those things are great. I often tell people that we're all activists, whether or not you identify that way or not, you actually are. I often say the same thing about being feminist, whether or not you identify that way, you might actually already be a feminist. Um, And that we can all be activists in our life in big and small ways. And it can be really easy, right? It can be really simple. It can literally be like wearing a t-shirt to protect the salmon, right? That you buy um, around three quarters, right? And being like, that's like a small, sort of radical form of activism and that can lead to bigger things. It can be sharing a post on Facebook, right? It can be like changing your profile picture um, with the, on Facebook with a little frame, whatever they call it, like I support whatever the cause is, right? It seems really small and sometimes we laugh about that as being like armchair activism, but I think it's really important. I think it's brave. I think it can be an easy way to like move to bigger things and bigger ideas.
5: Yeah, I would have to say um, for me as a youth activist, one of the things that I've really noticed is that um, there's a lot of pushback. There's a lot of people saying you need to do activism in a certain way. And so getting to meet Amy and getting to meet someone who encompasses so many different forms of activism was really important for me. And I wish that she would come speak at Boise High School because I think it's so important for um, just kind of the activist culture we have at Boise High. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're buying a t-shirt or if you're posting something on Instagram or if you're you know, leading an entire rally, like all of it's gonna matter and it's gonna reach out to somebody. And so that's been really important for me to learn as an activist Um, and it's really helped with burnout as well. Like you can do small things and you can still feel good about it. Um, So I kinda wanna ask about what's the hardest part about being an activist. For me, like I said, it'd probably be like that burnout and as a youth, like trying to remember that like I am just 18 and I still need to like go out and have fun. Um, So I'd love to hear that from your perspective
4: yeah i think that's a really important thing to acknowledge and to think about and i also think that sometimes as activists we feel like we have to be activists for everything right like all of the all of the things because they're all important in particular it's important in body image right it's an it's a civil rights social justice movement that acceptance and and body positivity actually is and it encompasses all these things um a lot of things, and it can feel really heavy. A lot too. Activism is not isn't always fun. It's often the exact opposite of fun. Um, this is a fun thing right here, and I oh, I can pull fern down back there. That's a good. That's a good photo op for <laughs> a dream board. Um, it um, can feel like really stressful and I think that's an important part of activism and growth and and challenging yourself in general, right? It's not fun and I always try to tell people that, like it often makes us feel uncomfortable, it's often sometimes stressful, Um, it can be exhausting, Um, it can be demanding, it can be scary, Uh, it can be all sorts of things, but I think that um, a good way to, you know, I think that it's important to know as an activist, as a youth activist and as an adult activist, That you don't have to do all of the things, right? You don't have to be an advocate all the time for all of the things. Um, There are other people doing great work, and I find an easy way to do that is highlight the people doing great work that are um, maybe even better advocates for themselves or their bodies, in my case, than I am, right? I can share their work. I can give those resources to other people who are asking demands of me. And speaking of asking demands of me, I also have strong boundaries on my time, which I highly recommend um, for all people, and the boundaries on what I am willing to give and do for free and what I'm willing to devote. Um, For example, I get lots and lots of questions all the time from people on the internet, um, DMs from people asking for like lots of labor on my part or advice or just carrying their heavy stories. I'm good at uh, managing my own boundaries, also managing myself and realizing what I, I can and cannot take on. I have really thick skin, which I think is really helpful for an activist um, as well. But I think um, the best activists in my mind sort of, and I think that you're doing this pretty well too, and you've done this, or like find the thing that you're most passionate about, the thing that you um, feel the most strongly about and focus on that. Sort of stay in that, that lane, if you so to speak. Um, and let other people lead other ways and share their work and share that load and and, and promote them as well, which is really helpful in avoiding burnout.
5: Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to touch on that and something that's really important that um, both Amy and I have is just kind of this privilege to be able to come and talk to you today. Um, Specifically, I think there's a lot of people who either, you know, they can't uh, speak out about something that they want to. Um, Boise High recently just put on a trans youth rally, and there were a lot of kids who ended up, uh, you know, messaging me on Instagram and saying, I want to come, but I can't. You know, I can't go. My parents will be mad. You know, my teachers won't let me. My principal won't give me an excused absence, you know. And so I think it's really important that if you have the privilege to support someone, then you should do it. And so if that for you just means, yeah, buying a T-shirt, that's awesome. But if you also have the privilege to, you know, attend events like this, which I really appreciate again, so thank you. Um, it's just so important to be able to do that. And it's really important for activists, I think, to also recognize the privilege that they have. Um, and for me, like, I have a lot of privilege and I get to grow up in a place where I'm able to go out and, uh, you know, start a rally or I get to go and talk about anything I want and be heard. Um, and that's just super important, especially... You know trying to go along in this like really polarized world and seeing it through a, you know a youth lens uh, it's just really intense and it's scary so it's really awesome to be able to come out and talk about all this um and so something that i kind of wanted to talk about is uh there's a lot of buzzwords going around and a lot of these you know further polarized people and so i wanted you to kind of clear up a couple of them uh tell us the definitions maybe um but i'd like to start with body positivity
4: yeah, and I touched on this briefly, but I also really appreciate, this will probably come out more, um, what you said about our privilege. Um, and that's something that I talk about a lot and I recognize a lot. I think it's important for all of us is to recognize the privilege um, that we have and use it um, for greater good and greater change. And that's what I've, um, I always strive to do. And I hope that I do it well. And I hope that I learn when I don't. And I hope that I keep um, being able to leverage that power like. We have today which is also why I consider events speaking anytime I public, do public speaking in Boise I do a lot of public speaking at schools not Boise High School yet but in lots of other schools from elementary schools to colleges a lot and um, I count that as a form of activism I think it's really important um, that I have the privilege to do so and that I use it um, in the best way possible So um, body positivity is this buzzword that you've all heard. I'm sure you all say you're body positive. Everybody does these days. They didn't um, for a long time. It's a fairly new term, Um, actually, that's only been around really like roughly seven years or so. So it started, it actually was born out of the fat acceptance movement, also known as fat pride or fat liberation, the fat power movement of the 1960s in the US as part of the larger civil rights social um, activism uprising um, with the other movements similar, similar to it, women's rights, LGBTQIA rights, rights for people of color um, in that era. One of them was fat acceptance. Um, it was, is basically the idea that everybody has, a, regardless of the size of your body um, or what it looks like, that you have um, the right to fair and equal treatment and kindness and respect um, in the world basically what it boils down to. And it um, didn't gain as much traction as the other civil rights, um, social justice movements of the era did um, until fairly recently when a sort of watered down version of it called body positivity came about about seven years ago. And um, it's basically um, the idea that you can, it's sometimes conflated with body acceptance I think which is this idea that we all um, can live and um, care for our body as it is right now and nourish it through movement and um, have a positive relationship with food, regardless of what size it is and what it looks like. It's basically body acceptance. And sometimes um, we conflate that with body positivity, which is actually a, a social justice movement for bodies, all bodies, and especially bodies that are more marginalized um, than, than mine but it has done good things. Body positivity has gotten this mainstream attention, right? It's done lots of really good things. Everybody knows it, everybody wants to be it. Um, It's a little bit of a 101, um, to me, level of sort of more radical um, body acceptance, but it's a great place to start. Another um, way that I don't like to shame people for their activism, right? And, And it's like a grassroots, level of eventually getting a little bit more radical um, and hopefully following activists or other leaders in the body positivity movement like myself or, or so many others now um, and reading books and coming to events like this and then you'll learn and get further and further along the spectrum of, of, of radical body acceptance.
5: Yeah, so do you also want to talk about maybe self-love and how that
4: goes with body positivity um, and how people can actually you know pursue that? And self-love is another popular buzzword. I feel like it's a little bit it's often conflated with like body positivity and self-love, um, which are similar in like the popular culture definition of it. And self-love is basically the regard for one's own well-being or happiness, right? And both of them come from like a very personal place. Like the personal part of the journey for you is, is accepting your own body, how it is right now. And I think that's important. I think that is where all good grassroots level work is started um, and often and it's imperative that you have positive body image um, and body acceptance for yourself in order for you to enact that upon others right Um, so i think that they're really popular and i love the idea we should all care and love ourselves Um, but it is important that we don't just stay there and it isn't just a self centered work, but that we realize it is a larger work. Um, that is a that is really imperative to cultural change because cultural and systemic change are the real problems. Um, and it needs people like us to all recognize these things so we can um, speak to people who might be in charge of these kinds of systems. The medical system um, is a big example of that. Um, which I get to do a lot lately, and I'm thankful for that. And I think that that is really important. And that, I should probably talk about, define body image while we're here and talking about it too, because I think that's another thing that we talk about a lot, but what exactly is body image? And it's basically the mental image of your own body. And this can be perceived or factual, right? Um, So for, and lots of things um, play into our body image. Um, One thing that it might be, Factual about my body and my body image is I am fat. That is a word that I use as a positive descriptor of my body um, Of its size. I see that word as positive So the perception of that is positive for me If I were fat if someone was fat and they knew that and they saw that about their body, but that meant that they felt um, Ugly or unworthy or unlovable then they might have a negative perception um, of their body So those things combined both perceived and factual Um, ideas about your body makes up your body image and all of the things that make up your body image is not just the size right of course um, our skin is the largest visible organ on our bodies and the color of it and how we and others perceive that greatly affects our body image Um, our sexuality and our gender often how it um, plays out both on the inside of us and on the outside of us greatly affects our body image Um, so does our age our abilities disabilities Um, and those sort of things and our size
5: yeah so something that i kind of want to ask about um, is how you can be an ally to your friends something that i really noticed that uh, while growing up is that it really is going to be the younger girls and my friends who are girls and identify that way that are going to be struggling the most with their body image and they're going to be you know having the most difficulties and problems and they're always going to be comparing themselves and so um i'd really like to hear what you think about uh how people can be better allies and support each other through that and at the same time be you know helping with their own body image
4: that's a great question because allies are so important i have so many um in the in my activist world in my community so many thin allies as we call them um you for example, um, our thin allies, which are really important. It's really important to have people of all sizes and shapes speaking up for each other, right? It's really important for all of us, regardless of our skin color, to be picking up, speaking up and out on behalf of people with different color skin, right, than we have or different um, gender identities or sexual orientations than we have um as an ally and it can be tricky it can be hard to know how to do that i always think that asking questions from a genuine honest place of of the person you're trying to be an ally for is really helpful right i think that they appreciate that it varies so much individually right people's um, preferred pronouns people's preferred way of of identifying them or describing them, right? Like for example, fat, when I use that, not everyone likes that word. Not everyone uses that word in a positive way like I do. Even other fat people who may be okay with being fat prefer plus sized or or something else. So I always think it's important to to ask how people identify um, and to be an ally that way. I think speaking up when you hear something disparaging, being thrown out in a meme or in a comment or on a Facebook post or in real life um, is really powerful and helpful. It, when it comes from allies, sometimes, um, unfortunately, it's, it's better heard than when it comes from the actual person who's being oppressed. Um, so we all have to work together, I think, uh, to do so. And there's so many ways to do so, but that's a great question.
5: Yeah, so I kind of want to ask about, you know, how you thought about your body as a child and, you know, how you started first noticing, um, you know, how people were perceiving you. Um, For me, something that really stood out to me recently is uh, I'm a basketball coach as well for a couple younger girls, and so it's been really awesome to get to meet these young girls who really love to play basketball uh, like I do. And so um, a couple weeks ago, I was helping out, and uh, one of them came up to me, and she was like, oh uh, you know there's my older sister over there um and she's this younger one she's about like two years younger and she was like oh like can we do more running and I was like yeah we can run more sure like that's fine and I was like why do you want to run more and she started talking about how oh well my sister you know like I weigh way more than her and she's older than me like I'm supposed to be smaller than her and you know like my thighs are really big and she's in like third grade and so I just was like oh wow and so it just really shocked me that it's you know it's with social media and you know, like more access to this technology, I feel like it's easier and easier, um, you know, for younger people to start getting involved and start uh, thinking about how they're supposed to look and how they're supposed to feel. Um, and I think that's just so detrimental. And so I kind of want to hear, uh, you know, when you first started thinking about this um, and what you would recommend. Um, since then, I was able to talk to the girl's parent, and uh, I was able to sit down with her and we talked about it. And um, she's feeling a lot better now. Um, she is very strong and so i want her you know to know that and so that's really important to me but um yeah so i'd like to hear what you think about that
4: see that's a great way of being an activist in your own life and these small moments that you don't think are going to mean that much right like as a young basketball coach with one of your young athletes saying something to you and you have that moment to like make a big difference and a big change and be a positive influence on that and it does start super young um even more so today i feel like um than even when i was a kid how um, young people do realize um, our popular culture notion that fat equals bad Um, That fat is not something that you want to be Um, kids naturally Realize diversity in bodies, right? Like anyone who's a parent or has a small younger sibling knows that kids will say like really embarrassing things in public, right? Like point people out, like, look at that person and why does that person have no arms? Or why is that, you know, why is that guy bald? Or why does that person look like that? Because they naturally notice differences in people and that's normal and that's fine and it can be a positive thing. Um, but we do learn. They learn from their parents. They learn from TV. They learn from their school curriculum. Oh my gosh, they learn from TikTok. They learn from everywhere that fat is bad. Um, they learn um, diet culture is pervasive here um, in this country, and so it's literally everywhere. Um, this sort of idea of food shaming and this, inten- this idea of, of intentional weight loss um, and healthism is, is, is rampant, so it's not surprising that it comes out at such a young age with kids um, but also for kids for myself when I was little um, you're really not thinking that much about your body other than what it can do right like and that's the whole, something we unfortunately lose as we get older um, but this and, and also that's a normal part of being human right like as you grow and, and you start to become aware of other people and what they look like and, and what you look like and what they think you look like and all of that but but you're so focused on your body and just using it for what you want to do, playing or swimming or eating or sleeping or um, running around as a kid. And I, I had that same experience. And it was really when I was a teenager that I realized that um, my body was larger um, than some of my friends. I think that's a lot of a, a time when, as a young teenager, when a lot of people struggles with body image um, start to solidify. Um, if not younger than that. Uh, A lot of it depends on parenting um, as well, before that. But I recognize that as a teenager. I was called the fat cheerleader um, when I was in high school, um, which I was not fat, but um, I was called that regardless, so I internalized that. I do have a, a body size. What people forget a lot is actually a lot of times mostly genetic and in your dna so it's not something that you actually have that much control over so i looked a lot i look a lot like my dad the same size as my dad other people in my family this is um, a normal thing um, that people tend to forget Um, but i did um, start taking diet pills at the age of 16 to reduce my body size Um, it didn't work made me sick i didn't like it luckily Um, so i stopped taking them but i kept fighting actively against this body um, and also being a, uh, a woman, like you said, um, a girl growing up into a woman. Um, there are a lot more um, pressures and a long history um, in this country um, of women um, being conflated with the, their appearance and how they look being the most important and valuable thing about them. And uh, it's something that we all learn very young as well as fat being bad, um, that what you look like as a girl in particular, Um, and a woman is the most important thing and um, of course I internalized that like all of us we all grew up in the same culture Um, unfortunately in some ways but fortunately there are so many of us trying to change that so our other our kids don't have to grow up in the same sort of body shaming um, culture that we did.
5: Uh, I kind of wanted to hear um, also about so I have a lot of um you know friends who are boys and you know very don't talk about it as much but sometimes it comes up and it's like you know like one of my uh guy friends in particular we're always uh, we go rock climbing a lot and he's shorter and he you know despises it and it's really hard for him and he's like oh i wish i was taller you know like i could get that next catch and i could do that beta better and all this stuff and it's like really hard for him and so I think something that's not talked a lot about is you know men and how they're supposed to you know be and how they're supposed to be perceived and um, I don't think the community has been as opening um, for them and so I kind of wanted to ask you like do you know any like resources um, you know because you're an amazing mentor for you know young women everywhere and anyone and so do you know any resources for you know men to get involved or you know to feel better or you know to start learning and having a better body image?
4: Yeah, luckily I actually have a lot of male fans, a lot. Um, a lot of men and young men and older men who follow me and um, are really interested in my work for that very reason. I think that my work speaks to them um, and most, a lot of people at of a lot of different ages and a lot of different genders um, and in a lot of different levels. So I've always had um, men as, as fans of my work and in, as members of the Boise Rad Fat Collective, which is a Facebook and in real life group I run um, and have run for about eight, over eight years, maybe almost nine years this year. Um, and there are 3,500 members of that. And there are lots of men in there. There are not, as far as activists in body image, of course, it was a movement um, mostly um, started by women. Fat acceptance, that movement in the 60s was actually founded by a lot of men as well um, as women who were working towards the this same, this same struggle. There are more activists now men that would call themselves activists in body image. They have great Instagram pages. There's lots of um, sort of plus size men models in particular that are involved in that that are really fantastic and a colleagues of mine and, and fans of mine and we share each other's work a lot. Um, more of them are writing books and speaking out about it. A lot of times um, the struggles that I've heard from men um, regarding body image are in fact sometimes related directly to their body. Um, physical attributes of their body. But oftentimes it's more um, emotional and sort of ideas of toxic masculinity and um, uh, things around mental health and struggles that way that they uh, really struggle with and and struggle with talking about and feeling comfortable with. So I often share resources. I have a son as well, and he does struggle with um, some body image things that I've been glad to help him with and talk about a lot of body positive parenting for all genders, and I get asked about this a lot, a lot. So I have a lot of resources. If you follow me, you've probably seen some posts where I've tagged other male um, and um, non-binary resources that that talk about these things. There's some, it's growing and growing. So luckily there are lots of resources. Because I think it's important that it comes straight from men, right? Like I can be a great, role model, I can be a great activist, that. but I love to point people to these other men who are doing the work as well.
5: Yeah, thank you. That helped a lot. Um, I then wanted one of our last questions and then we're going to open up for Q&A if anyone has any questions. Uh, but I wanted to ask, you know, kind of about the buzzword of like feminism and what it means to be a feminist, um, you know, in this day and age and how you can get involved with that.
4: Um, so basically, the, like the basic general definition of feminism is just um, equal rights and fair treatment for people of all genders. That's literally what feminism means. Um, Of course, it's a movement that's been happening in this country since its inception, um, started by women um, working in that realm for other women, for some other women, um, until before the word feminism actually was like a title of the movement that came about in the 1960s in the US. Clearly the work was being done before that and continues to be um, evolving and growing after that. Um, since the 1960s, feminism, when it became like a term and an actual like movement um, called such, has um, gone through different sort of evolutions or waves and um, is something that people Um, sometimes are really put off by, right? Like nobody, like a lot of times, um, for a long time, nobody wanted to be called a feminist. It was like a very radical, negative thing for me to call myself a feminist. Um, It got a little more popular and there was like a new wave um, after the election in 2016. There was this new wave of feminists that were proudly calling themselves feminists again. It's kind of like coming back down into a negative space like all things that kind of ebbs and flows also the term activist apparently is a negative thing I've been like kind of destroyed for calling myself an activist lately as well but I like to take words um, that are unpopular and sort of um, turn them on their head or words that have been used against people Um, a lot of marginalized groups do that you take words that have been used against them fat is another example um, and celebrate it and um, make it mean something popular. Feminism is often like activists, seen as this radical person who hates men and burns bras and changes themselves to a fence and um, chants mean things, right? And it can be that, and that's actually important and, and um, people Who do those things? Or do great work? Um, That's really necessary. It's not necessarily my brand of activism um, or feminism, but um, it's a loaded. It seems to be a loaded term. I'm not sure why. When you hear that very basic definition of what feminism means, honestly, most people who probably don't call themselves feminists actually are feminists.
5: Yeah. So another thing I kind of wanted to talk about is you know kind of the relationship and segue between. Um, you know, what it means to be healthy and what it means to be body positivity uh, or, or like, to have body positivity, I feel like those get mixed up a lot and people, uh, you know, try to be healthy and kind of have this wrong perception of what it means to be healthy. So maybe if you want to give, like, your own definition of what you found through your activism, um, you know, and through your uh, just results over the year.
4: Yeah, that's a big term. Healthism is kind of like the new religion in our country, but not so new, but fairly new. Um, and also directly related um, to this conversation. It comes up a lot. Um, and it's directly tied to diet culture, which I talked about a little bit briefly as well. This idea, um, diet culture um, is the set of beliefs that our um, appearance and thinness in particular and body shape are more important than actual real health, right? Um, that these ideas of controlling our body, in particular our diet, what, including limiting what we eat and, and how much of it is normal. This is um, this idea of appearance and, and shape um, being more important than actual physical health, mental health, emotional health. And luckily, there's lots of science and research and doctors and nutritionists and dieticians and therapists who have been researching this for a lot of years or many years now and continue to do so that are realizing that there are more important things that um, identify our actual health um, than body size or BMI or body mass index. Um, Things like how you feel, having um, a positive relationship with food, eating a wide variety of foods, nourishing your body not only with food but with other things that um, lift you up and fill you up. Um, having joyful movement um, in a form of some kind of exercise, any kind, um, really if you can. Um, also having a positive, um, having low stress, happiness, um, lots of energy, mental health is a crucial component in whole health um, that's often overlooked but not now um, gaining more traction is something that's so important. Um, spiritual health, however that looks to you, sexual health, Um, as well are all really important parts of um, being healthy to me. Um, It is also important to realize that we don't have that much control over our health as we think we do, as we formerly thought we do. Um, That's something that's hard for humans to grapple with, um, that you actually are not as in charge as you think that you are. Um, All sorts of things happen to us, accidents, illnesses, right? Um, aging. Uh, pregnancy, childbirth, sometimes menopause that we have very little control over um, our bodies.
5: Yeah so is there anything that you want to say um, you know just kind of for closing and uh, you know how people can get involved and you know just something kind of some inspiring words?
4: Yeah there are lots of ways we've talked about great um, sort of like easy a few easy ways to be an activist but there are more tangible ways that I um, prefer than just wearing a t-shirt or changing your Facebook profile. I'm not, again, I'm never shaming those as something important, but I do think, um, other ways to do so, of course, is being here today. This is great. Um, following other activists, like revamping your media feed to follow people who are in diverse bodies that are different than yours, um, that have lived experiences that are different than yours. Um, have beliefs that are different than yours is so crucial and important to growing and changing. I'm a big fan of books and reading, 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 whole books, lots of books, um, as a form of of educating yourself um, and activism as well. And I think that um, as far as um, body image goes, there's lots of little tips that I share all the time um, that you can do in your everyday life that will make a big change um, buying a, a, and it can be like buying a body positive book for kids for the next child's birthday party that you go to, right? Um, little things like that really do add up. And we've talked a lot about bodies, um, today when we're, we're going to open it up for a few questions. Um, and really of course, like how we look in our bodies are often the least interesting thing about us, the least sort of important thing about us, but in fact, everything we are is our bodies, right? They are the vessels that house the most important parts of us. They house our brains and our hearts and our words and our souls. And they are the thing that gets us around to do all of the things that we love to do and want to do, like listen to music and walk around the city. Um, on a beautiful weekend like this and feel the sun. So um, I'm very thankful for this body um, that is able-bodied um, to do so. And um, I hope that you are too.
5: Yeah, and so uh, I just kind of wanted to add on to that. Um, I think for me, I've really realized that by getting involved with you know, one thing that's you know, uh, being an activist, you're gonna be involved with so many different ones um, I'm really interested in, you know, salmon conservation and Idaho's ecosystem and protecting that. But today I'm here and I get to speak with Amy, who's a, you know, body positivity activist. And so those are really different, but that's just something I've really noticed is, um, it's such a great segue. You're going to meet people who have, you know, interests that are like you or interests that are different, and you're going to be able to work together um, and pull from all of it. Um, and that's just really awesome. So it's a really awesome community, uh, to be involved in, and it all ends up, you know, adding together. And so, um, yeah, I really appreciate that as I've gone along as a high schooler, um, and especially with Boise High's uh, activist culture. It's like everyone's coming together and bringing what they can to the table. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to open it up for questions now. So I just want to say thank you again so much for coming. We really appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, are there any questions or anything that you would like us to go over again?
4: Yeah, you might have to you just yell it out if you want to. <laughs> Yeah, the question was talking about um, body neutrality, um, which to me, which is another term, kind of like a, that's a pretty popular buzzword going around too, but it's very much the same uh, as I understand it and, and I, believe it and practice it and know people who do as body acceptance right it's um a little less pressure it's than like loving yourself right or or be proud of everything about your body like a lot of people are feeling um like this body positive body positivity thing's gone a little like too far right that like that means i have to like wear a bikini and post pictures on the internet And even if I don't like bikinis, or um, even if I don't like to post pictures on the internet, that means I have to, or I have to um, love, you know, my acne, and I don't really love my acne. Or, you know, it's kind of um, this thing where people are feeling like um, body positivity was a little extreme for them, and body neutrality um, is a little more general, and it's a good place to start. Ideally, we want everyone, I, I want everyone, and I think we all want to like, love our bodies, right, and love ourselves for who we are and how we are. And body neutrality is this nice place um, to sometimes begin, or it can be a place where you just land on the spectrum, and that's fine too. Um, that is accepting your body for how it is. Maybe you don't love it every single day, maybe you don't love everything about it, um, but accepting it and treating it right um, with self-care and nourishing it in in whatever way is possible for you. Um, And finding, if that includes finding movement, um, joyful movement if you can, however you're able to move your body, which may be limited for a lot of people who struggle um, with body image, in particular abilities and disabilities can be really difficult. Um, for people in more marginalized bodies than than mine. Um, And so that's basically what body neutrality is. It's sort of um, the same as as body acceptance, but a little less like toxic positivity.
5: Yeah, so uh, is there anything else? Those are great questions, so thank you, and a great answer. Um, Anything else before we end? Okay, well then can you please give it up for Amy Pence Brown?
4: Thank you, and Lizzie. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming out this morning before all the music starts. Thank you. Um, it's always fun. I have lots of um, fans and followers that are young people as well, and I and older people older than me. And I learn so much from them. And I always um, appreciate the opportunity to talk. Thank you to Story Fort um, as well as Tree Fort um, for inviting us. Thank you and all thank you so for much. And enjoy the rest of your weekend
0: okay we are back i hope you enjoyed uh jared's story i know i enjoyed it the first time i heard it at the backstage pass pretty pretty great having your favorite band stay at your house
1: i know life and rock and roll at an early age for mr bostrom yes
0: left an imprint on mr bostrom and i hope you enjoyed enjoyed amy and lizzie uh discussing uh topics at sheree
1: Buckner yeah yeah really cool body image um, conversation that they put on and they you know sort of are out and about in the Boise community doing some uh, some really important work too so you can follow Amy Pence Brown certainly on all the socials Pence-Brown and then I'm not as sure about Lizzie duke Moe as a high school student how much her presence is but she's a future leader of American you know politics and uh, social issues I'm certain of it um, they're not to be trifled with either so
0: you always get the people who aren't to be trifled with
1: i know we did have risa collins in the last one maybe that's you
0: can trifle with us and let me tell you how to do it (laughs) you can go to facebook uh to the story forward podcast group page and trifle with us there or you can go to twitter and when we post something at story.forward you can trifle with us there or if you're more of a visual type of person you can go to instagram Story. Dot forward and trifle with us there. All the trifling you need, mm-hmm. we are here for it.
1: I can't not say Brett Battistine. He is our host, basically. So um, he and his uh, organization, his his network podcast network, is. Uh, drop at ease-drop.com are kind enough to put uh, put a song uh, on the air or in your phone or wherever you're listening to this podcast and yeah just our whole story forward team we already you know had jared on and then he's one of our you know as we said at the beginning our, our great um, contributors as, as an editor and also just uh, all the rest of the team are fantastic we have ryan and annika and McKenzie and joe um and a few others that will go on and on to help us put things um out into the world via story forward yeah i guess get ready for episode three coming your way next week and um that's something i was gonna say oh so keep the story moving forward
0: always advance the narrative